Say like you believe it. I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Say in 2016, things are clearer to me. Say in 2016, understanding is my portion. In this new year, insight goes with me. Wisdom is my portion. I succeed by grace. The power of God is working in me. In the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Okay, what I want to just explain briefly is something about how change comes. And I want us to take a number of um, scriptures to begin to explain that. Let's start first of all from the words. Okay, the word of uh, Peter, Second Peter chapter 3. Let us start with that. Now, why am I discussing this? Now, when, um, when the year is coming to an end, 31st of December, people rush to church so as to make sure that January 1st, they start it inside the church. I don't know whether you experienced that. Yeah. Yes, people do that. People do that. I've been in a place before. This one I saw with my eyes. The church was meeting in a hotel premises, all right? And then there was a nightclub just next to, you know, of course, I saw people leave the nightclub, leave the joint where it was happening, sneak into church like 11.30, and they stayed there till it was Happy New Year, everything. By 12.15, they went back to frolicking, to all the things that they were doing, feeling very cool with themselves. But at least they were able to say that I ended the year in church and I began a new one in the presence of God. That's what they think they did. But then, you know, of course, I, for that reason, you meditate about these things and just want to convey the truth of God to people who are listening. Let's just say it straight. Those things have no meaning. If you, if the year met you sleeping, when you wake up, you catch up with it. Are you getting my point? It doesn't matter. It does not matter where you ended. Most of the things we do, it just pure, it's pure tradition. It's nice. It's nice. It's nice. It's nice. You gather together and be blowing, uh, what's that in the blow? Fireworks. Okay. You know, fireworks all over the place. It is very good. It's a nice ceremony. Ceremonies are good. Amen? Amen. Ceremonies are good. But if you follow me on Twitter, I said something a few days ago. That listen, your life will not change just because dates changed. Your life will not change just because a date switched. In case you, if you don't, if you know the history of the calendar, I, I believe God was working, but men sat down. And decided that this day, this year will be this year. There was a time. I don't know whether if you ever thought about it. What's the first, of course, it's something we all know. What is the first day or month of the year? January. Second one is what? February, March. If you hear the, if you, if, if I tell you the, um, an expression like, um, octagon, what does that tell you? Something that has eight sides. All right? So if you hear October, it should be the eighth month of the year. But what month is it? Tenth. But it was the eighth month. Because before, the, mo- the year started in March. So February 28th will be in 2015. And March 1st will be 2016. Alright, December is like that. December is supposed to be 10th. Yeah. But now it's 12th. Because one day, one king got up and said, either a king or a pope, or between the two of them, yeah, and decided that, um, uh, that um, I, think, I think it's a pope, and said, okay, move the new year to... To January. January used to be <laughs> the 11th month of the year. Many people don't know this, this history. 
There were days in the calendar that, that, that the history of the calendar. There are days that never existed. From something like maybe March 15th, the next day was March 26th. Because they needed to remove a certain number of days to make the year's balance. What am I to emphasize a lot of these things? Eh? The change of dates don't change anybody's years. It doesn't change anybody's season. It doesn't change the life of anybody. It does not. What changes the lives of people is what I want to discuss briefly. Um, last, that's 2014, end of 2014, we had a seminar. We titled it, How to Change Your Life. Okay, if you go and get those messages and listen to them, it's very good. But I just want to bring out some things, since we are beginning a new year today, just to help people understand how life changes. People sometimes they are praying, say, God, this year, this year, you will do something for me this year. And then sometimes he doesn't do it, simply because the years can't harass him. I don't know what I get the point. God is very patient. He's very patient with you, and he's very patient with your problem too. I don't know whether you're getting what I'm trying to say. <laughs> don't think he'll get tired. He knows I've been suffering for long. He never... <laughs> you're getting what I'm saying? He never enjoyed the suffering for one day. He did not enjoy it. So if he endured it for five years, he can endure it for another ten years. You are the one that needs to change for him to be able to do what he wants to do. That will of God matter. I'm not making an issue here. I used to think, of course, many of us think like that, that what happens in my life is the will of God. I have realized, I taught in that seminar, that the things that happen in our lives, to, a, to the greatest extent, is just what we allow God to do. That word is allow. There are times God wants to do more, but we are not allowing him. Jesus looked at Jerusalem. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. What I would have loved to do is to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks. He said, but you will not allow it. He said, for that reason, your house is left to you desolate. He said, listen, it will remain like that until you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Until you accept the Lordship of Jesus, he said, your house will be left to you desolate. What we call the will of God a lot of times. And I don't, let me not preach that message here. I just want to emphasize to us again the fact that we are in, our response to God, our response to life is very crucial in what God is doing. And sometimes people will tell you that God spoke to me. He doesn't impress me anymore. In fact, if you want to talk with me and you want to tell me God spoke to you, choose your words carefully. Because you put me off a lot of times. You know why? Because I can't counsel you anymore. And I happen to know it is possible for me to give you superior counsel to what you claim God said to you. Not because I know more than God, but because you can only hear in line with what you are able to understand. Listen, most of the things you hear is what you can accept, what you can understand. In the, in the face of a better understanding of God, you will revise what God said to you. Not because God didn't speak, but because now you hear him clearer. Yet, if you throw it in my face, God said to me like this, I can't see anything anymore. Even though I feel like what you are doing is not right. You want to make a decision, just tell me simply, this is what I want to do. Then let me give you my counsel based on spiritual understanding. Don't shut my counsel down with God told, God told me. Unless you can do a number of things, so, which is one. Let's see when you had the dream, the vision. 
when the angel came, showed you an ID card, introduced himself properly, then I will withdraw all my counsel. If it's all this one that Christians do, as they were praying, they had thoughts come up in their hearts. Listen, I know God's Holy Spirit was speaking, but such things, you can only, you only hear what you are able to handle. For that reason, it is possible for you to be counseled better than what you claim you heard. Not because we know more than God. No. After all, the counsel is the word of God. But because if you had better understanding, there are things you will, you, you will hear better. Let me be like that. There are things you'll be able to discern better. Like I said before, God can tell a man, leave Lagos. That is, the divine plan is leave Lagos and come to Abakaliki. And the man will hear, leave Lagos and go to Asaba. Why? Because all his life, he's never been to the east. He can, his mind can reach Asaba. So no matter what the Holy Spirit is saying, he will hear the direction. It's the same road. But when he's not able to accept the fullness of what God wants to say, he will hear part of it and end in Asaba. And then the day you convince him, that if he moves across the Niger, he won't die. He suddenly realized that the way God was speaking. I knew I didn't finish. I don't know what I get the point. Something he would just say, no, there's more, there's more. He may reach Enugu after two years. The Lord is waiting patiently for him to get to Abakaliki. After thriving in Enugu, struggling a bit for about two years, then one day, somebody will invite him, come to visit me in Abakaliki. He will get there. Then suddenly, a vision that God was trying to show him then will become clear. It took God five years to drag that guy to a back leg. And he was hearing God every step of the way. Why couldn't he hear go to a back leg? Because he was afraid. And the fear inside him limited what he was able to receive from the Spirit of God. What is most important is that you clear your heart. You clear your heart. Then you will be able to discern what God is saying, even if you don't hear voices. If your heart is clean, just by following the precepts of God, David said it like this. He said, teach me your way so that I will not be ashamed when I encounter your commandments. That if I understand the precepts of God, I will do what is right without even knowing that God commanded it. Just by understanding the precepts of God. I will just do what is right. One day nothing that God said, thou shalt not. Okay, he actually said that. We're not doing that anyway because we already understood that this is not in line with his character. I'm not going to bring out an issue here. How does our life change? How do things change for us? It's not because of date. It's as our inside is being turned. As our inside is being renewed. As our inside is being changed to fit that which God is saying or what God is doing in our lives. I said we should open somewhere, right? Second Peter chapter. That's why this is the year of breakthrough. I believe it. But let me say something to you. Well, you hear me say, well, then this is our season of fruitfulness. When somebody says, this is the year of breakthrough, I want you to understand something. Even though they don't say it clearly, most of the times, the fact is that there is a condition. Yeah. Let me prove that. When the man of God went to Eli, in First Samuel, he said to, the, to Eli, that did I not say that you and your household will stand as priests for me, before me forever? He said, but now far be it from me. The God changed his mind. <laughs> the commandment was there. The promise was there. But that promise was, he had a hidden condition, even though it was not stated clearly. 
What was that condition? That man of God said, Now far be it from me. Why? Because he that honors me, I will honor. What was he saying? When I said you will be a priest before me forever, what I meant was that you will be a priest before me as long as you learn how to give honor to my name. So when you refused, the promise became ineffective. So if they say it's a year of breakthrough, if a wise person will pray and say, Lord, thank you, it's a year of breakthrough. Now, what are we to do so that this breakthrough will actually come in that year? What changes are we supposed to make so that the breakthrough will actually come in that year? It is not as if you are doing something so as to deserve... Now, let me explain that. It's not like you are paying God. It's not you are doing something so as to deserve something from His hands. It's more of you are allowing Him to do what He wants to do. Because if God blesses a man, blesses a woman that is not ready for the blessing, the fellow loses the blessing after a short while. Second verse chapter 3. Let us read from verse... Um, now, wh- where I'm going is verse... Um, Eight, but I like to take it in context, so let's just back up. Let's see where. Let's start from verse 7. He says, But by his word, the present heavens and earth have been reserved for fire, kept for the, the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Now, what Peter was saying here is that some people have been mocking and saying that this promise that we are talking about, when is it going to happen? Things have been going normally. As if God never promised. So when is it going to happen? And that's what he was responding to. He now said in verse 8, But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. He said, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness. But the reality is that his patience toward you not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Now, what I want to bring out is just in those um, last two verses, verses 8 and 9. It said, With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. That is, with God, what you think is taking a thousand years, when he's looking at it, it's as if it took just a day. And I say, what normally would take a thousand years to accomplish God can accomplish it just in a day. That's what they were saying. So with him, time doesn't mean anything. Things are not difficult for him to do. You know, it, maybe it might take human beings a long process to develop something. If the conditions are right, there's a way, I will explain that in a moment. God can make that thing get developed in one day. What normally would have taken a thousand years. What God can accomplish in a thousand years, he can also accomplish in a day. What God would have done in a day may end up taking a thousand years. And I can prove that to you from the scriptures. Israel could have entered into the promised land in a few days. How long did it take them? Forty years. Forty years. A journey of a few days took the nation forty years. What was he saying? A day with the Lord is like forty years. And forty years, okay, let's say a few days journey with the Lord is like forty years journey. And forty years journey can become a few days journey. That's what Peter was saying here. But what is the thing that decides whether it will manifest as 40 years or manifest as a few days? What is the thing that decides whether it will manifest as one day or manifest as a thousand years? That's what we are discussing. And Peter explained it in verse 9. He said, The Lord is not slow 
about his promise, as some counselorness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Now, what is he saying here? Now, notice, it is the patience of God. Please follow this. It is the patience of God that makes what should have been a day take place in a thousand years. That's what they were saying. Because God wants to accomplish that thing. Then why is he waiting for a thousand years? He says, because it is the length of time it is taking me to have these people repent. I don't know whether you are getting what I'm saying here. Take Israel as an example. Why couldn't they enter the promised land in a few days? One word. What's the word? Unbelief. The Bible says they could not enter into his rest because of what? Unbelief. That tells you that the problem with when men enter into their promised land is decided by the amount of unbelief that is inside their heart. So what God uses the time to remove is unbelief. I don't know what was it last year or the year before. I think it was last year, 2015. We did a series here, 2014. The fight against unbelief. Remember it. Please go and get the messages. Listen to them again. Because it's important. And this year I'm going to teach about faith again. I'm going to teach, that is, <laughs> I, I, I will look for a tight two for it, but we'll talk about faith again. We'll talk about faith again. The reason is because I read again. In fact, the other day my wife and I took a walk. And we're just discussing. She asked some questions. Me too, I had some issues. No, we're just discussing some things. At the end of the day, we came to the conclusion that Jesus said, it's a conclusion we all know, <laughs> that Peter, this thinking is because of unbelief. This thinking is because of doubt. That if there's no doubt in your heart, you wouldn't sink. Now, what people don't know about doubt and faith is that faith and doubt has little to do with determination. Please, let me quickly explain that. It has little to do with determination. I will explain what I mean in a moment. Once my little boy, who is a big boy now, it's almost my size, Akinolu, <laughs> there he was a little boy. My friend, Pastor Annie, and I, we went to the gym. So one of those days, I think my wife came and was with Akinolu. Akinolu was small. So she came into the gym. Of course, small children are not allowed, so you have to man him well. It was small, they may be like uh, four. Yeah, maybe like five, thereabouts, but not older than six. So you know what they call um, dumbbells? So anyway, these dumbbells, I can't remember the weights anyway. Maybe like, um, I can't remember the weights. Yeah, no, it was more than, 20, the other one, the small ones were 10. Yeah, it was, okay, it was something like 20 kg, yes, 20 kg, you know, dumbbells, something like that. So, you know, men would just carry it, and you're, <laughs> you're pumping the iron, you know, that kind of thing. So... I remember Akinolu went, so he dropped one. Before you know that, he went there, wanted to carry, wanted to lift it up. Now, the boy tried to pick it, and to his amazement, the thing was screwed to the ground. Do you get the joke? Uh, is it not this thing that my daddy just picked just now? And you know, you're just, you're bending it like that, bending it like that, and that way, you drop it, shake your body again, go somewhere, pick another one. You know those kind of things. The boy tried to pick it up from the ground, and the thing did not shift. I told you, oh boy, move away before you hurt yourself. Just go and stay with your mommy. Now, why am I telling this story? He was determined. But this is the thing about it. He did not have the strength. He did, that's the summary of it. He did not have the strength. 
no matter how determined the boy was, he couldn't move that thing one bit. Why? He did not have the strength. Listen to me. Faith is like that also in the realm of the spirit. Sometimes people are shouting. This night, you will pray. You will talk the Lord and tell your enemies. The fellow does not have the strength. Mountain, move. I'm warning you. You will move. He does not have the strength. But the person that has the strength of faith, like the Lord Jesus, will casually talk to a tree and the tree will die rapidly. I'm convinced the Lord Jesus did not even remember the tree. It was his disciples that called his attention to it. Master, this tree that you cursed is dead. And what did he do? He did what you and I Amen. We won't do it again, but we do all the time. We just look at maybe you are very angry with your governor. It's my governor is useless. You know that kind of thing. I bought this car yesterday. Useless car. You know that you've made statements like that. This trouser I just bought, nonsense trouser. Look at this watch. I even thought it was original. Rubbish watch. I don't know whether you are getting my point. These are statements we make a lot of times. But some of us are repenting. You know? I hardly say such things. Ah, no, 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 no. I understand. I hardly say such things. Why? You see, what we don't know as human beings, yeah, most, many of you are looking very guilty. I know. You did it last week. <laughs> you drove to a nature and you were very angry with the road. What useless road is this? You forgot that there's no Boko Haram on your road. If you wanted to drive that road in Meduguri, it was prayer and fasting. You won't eat that day. As you are going, any bomb on this road in the name of Jesus, it will not go off. I'm protected by the... the you understand? You'll be confessing things you did not know existed in the scriptures until you began to drive on Boko Haram Road. Yet you have a road that you don't even think about it. It's just a pothole. And you criticize and curse the pothole for one hour. No wonder your journey is taking two hours. No wonder you finish the Christmas journey. Your vehicle hits the mechanic's place. It is unbelief that ruined your shaft. It's not the road. If you are driven that road with rejoicing, Lord, I thank you. In Syria, did they see this kind of road for Syria? <laughs> I, I, I hope you are getting my point. Listen, that is the issue with the walk of faith. When the faith is there, and these are the things that leak faith away, you know, it's just kind of nonsense talk. Because the faith is there, Jesus looked at the tree casually. There are things he can't say. If you give Jesus a, a, a watch and he says, which kind of useless watch is this? That watch will stop working then. Not tomorrow. He wouldn't ever say it. Why? Because the faith in his heart is powerful. He doesn't have to exert himself. Oh yeah, everybody begin to say, faith, come, we command, faith, night, now. All those things are signs of unbelief. That is... <laughs> Listen, I'm not angry with you. I'm not angry with myself. But listen, you never saw the Lord Jesus do it. He raised a dead man who had been dead for four good days. He hardly lifted his voice. And the little voice he lifted, 
that he raised up, he said it was so that those around could hear what was going on. Otherwise, he would have raised Lazarus with a whistle. Lars. And Lazarus would have still come out. He said all this talk is so that they will believe. Listen. He was sleeping. They were on the boat. The storm was raging. The thing was tossing up and down. Now, remember, when that happened, and, he, and, he, and they woke him up, and said, don't you care that we are perishing? When the Bible says he rebuked the wind, I've heard talk about it, you know, people analyze it. That peace be still was not just about raising up his hand and commanding wind, peace, be still. No, they said what he did was to talk down at the wind. Like, will you stop this nonsense? I don't know what I get my point. Shh. Stop that. That's the attitude. Please, I'm emphasizing something. If faith is not there, no matter how much we struggle to declare, 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 the faith is not there. That little boy that day, he was too young. He couldn't pick that piece of metal that was weighing almost 20 kg, which an adult like me that had been going to the gym again and again could pick with one hand and do like 10 reps, then drop it. Toss with the other hand, do the same thing, take a rest, come back. The boy was looking, he tried to take it off the ground. But leave that place before you hurt yourself. Why? He was too small. He didn't have the energy. Faith is exactly like that in the realm of the spirit. Am I trying to discourage us? No. I'm trying to emphasize that we must build faith as a habit. It must be something that grows all the time. That's what I'm going to emphasize. So that we don't, it's not when we are in trouble, we suddenly decide we want to conjure our faith, say, how did the man of God pray that day? You repeat all the words that he used. It's not the words that he used. No, it's not the words. It's the faith that's inside the heart that erupted. Are you getting my point? And in a simple word, Lazarus, come forth. That one goes in there, wakes Lazarus up after four days. No, it's not a technique of prayer. It's not the kind of words you use to pray. No. It's either faith is in the heart or it's not there. And that's another emphasize that what we need to do is to work on ourselves, on our faith, so that it becomes a, it grows constantly. It grows constantly. In fact, so that the day you will know faith is there, like that, is when you utter a word at a tree and the tree dies. Ah, but I was almost joking. You know that kind of thing. Well, it's dead. Now, let's, let's be careful next time. Before we kill the whole tree, you know, what I'm say, on the street. Why? Because the faith had been built to a particular level. Please, that is the point I'm making. Back to where we began this from. We're reading from that second page of the three. So why, couldn't, why did they not enter? Why was it that what should have been a week or less took 40 years? He said simply it was because of what? Unbelief. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. It was because of unbelief. Why the manifestation of the promise of God takes a long time? He said, it's because God is patient toward us so that people will not perish but come to repentance. Please, I'm looking at the issue here. What he was saying is that repentance is what is causing the delay. That's what I'm going to emphasize. That the delay is a result of repentance. That if men will repent on time, if men will quickly change their minds, if they will quickly become what God wants them to be in their hearts, then the miracle that they were waiting for takes place as soon as they are done with that. So instead of it taking a thousand years, it takes a day. 
But if it takes, listen to this, if it takes a thousand years for God to persuade you about something, it takes a thousand years for you to see the result of his promise. That's simply what he's saying here. I was saying at the beginning, our lives don't change because the days changed. Just because days change, it's not like last year was not my year, this year will be my year. Listen, listen to this. The years don't matter. What matters is a change in the heart of individuals. I, I'm, many of you know me. I'm not a fan of January 1st. It doesn't, doesn't move me. I'm not saying you should copy me. But last January 1st, I dropped my wife in church and I went home. Why? Because I had to do some things that night. I had to send an email out. Two emails, actually. Very important. One of them, prayer points for my brethren. Which I had to get out to them that night. Won't you pray into the new year? Don't worry. When the new year comes, we'll pray again. As far as I'm concerned, another No, I'm sorry. sorry I'm, that's just the way I am. As far as I'm concerned, it's another day. It's another day. He said, ah, it can be a change of your season. Listen, what I would do January 1st that would change my season, if I discovered it December 25th, I would do it that day. If I discovered it in January 17th, uh, sorry, uh, July 17th, I would do it that day. If I discovered it in February 18th, I would do it that day. I would not wait to January 1st to change my life. Not at all. No? January 1st didn't bring me any special revelation. Therefore, I don't expect any special breakthrough. What am I going to emphasize? It is the special revelation that gives you breakthrough. It's not the change of date. It is when hearts are changed that lives change. It's not when dates change. Abraham is always my best example. 25 years he waited for Isaac. Why? Because it took 25 years for God to build him and Sarah to where he wanted them to be so they could, they, they could receive Isaac. Not one day was wasted. That is on God's side. On God's side, not one day was wasted. If Abraham wasted time, he waited longer. The more the time you waste, the longer you have to wait. Each season of your life, God is teaching you a lesson. Each season of your life, he's transforming you. Each season is given to you to bring you to a particular level in life. If you don't learn your lessons on time, that season stays for longer. If you are praying for somebody, oh, so that his life can change, her life can change, pray harder that the lessons this fellow is supposed to learn in this season, God, teach him, teach her, help him to understand, help her to understand, help me to understand, if it's you. Very crucial, because if you step into the next season by force, that season will destroy you. If you step into a season you are not ready for, because they have, look, let me just quickly explain that. There are, I would say, enter by the, okay, let me, there's this phrase I'm looking for, that enter by the door. Many try to jump through the window. Are you getting my point? <laughs> Sometimes people try to go through a window instead of passing through the door. What do I mean? They came to the Lord Jesus. Satan came to the Lord Jesus and said, bow to me and I will give you all the kingdoms of the earth. He showed him everything. And, said, and the Lord Jesus said something to Satan simply. It is written. You shall serve the Lord that God only him you worship. You know that story. Now what was he trying to do? Let's ask ourselves a question. Could Satan have given him all the world? Yes. The answer is yes. 
If he could not have given him, it was not a valid temptation. That one is a matter of fact. All right? And let's just say it again. He's giving many people today. There are many people that Satan is giving things to. The thing wouldn't bless them. They don't realize it. But they take it from Satan. And how does Satan give you things to people? I'll explain it in a moment. But this is how it is. Jesus said no. At the end of the day, we read from Revelation that the kingdoms of this world, they became the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. What does that tell you? The very thing Satan was offering him that day, he still got it eventually. But there's a difference. Satan says, bow to me. Now. You get it? Now. God said, no. You will walk with me and be perfect. You will go to the cross. You will be punished. You will be crucified. You will die for three days. On, th- on the third day, you will rise up again. You will raise me a band of men. And with them, you will walk. And then finally, the kingdom of this world becomes your kingdom. There's a process. That is the difference. Let me quickly say it again. There is nothing that Satan can give to anybody that God did not plan to give that person beforehand. Did you hear what I said? There is nothing. If Satan makes you a governor, God was going to make you a governor. If Satan makes you a senator, God was planning to make you a senator. If Satan makes you a famous musician, listen, he cannot give you the talent to sing if God did not create you with the ability to sing. What I've said is a matter of fact. Any gift you find in yourself, God put it there before you were born. All of us, before you gave your life to Christ, God knew what you were supposed to be. Paul said it clearly. Before, while I was in my mother's home, God set me out to be an apostle. The gifts were inside me. There is nothing Satan can give anybody that God did not plan to give the person before. If you find a man say he, he, he joined a cult, he became very rich. God has said this man will be very rich. Satan doesn't have power the way we think it is. He does. He does not have it. It is only what God plans to give you that Satan can give. Now, what Satan does, this is where, this is where they differ. God says, walk with me and be perfect. It will take time. You will go through temptations. You will go through training. You will go through adversity. Eventually, I will have built you up to a level where I can deliver to you your own inheritance. Satan says, why wait for all of that? What is it? To gain the whole world. Just bow. Bowing is always easier. And it's all, it always gets results all the time quicker. But this is what I'm talking about. It never blesses the fellow ultimately. It never does. It never does. It never does. If you make a man rich before he can handle money, that wealth will kill him. It will destroy him. It will totally mess him, mess his family, mess his whole life up. Because glory is heavy. Blessings are heavy. You need capacity to carry them. Remember that, that my little illustration of my, of my boy and the dumbbell? Assuming that one uncle came, said, let me help you. The boy said, thank you. And he carries the weight, the boy, and he hands it to him and leaves it with him. What happens? The boy will grab it, it will pull him to the ground, knock him down. If he falls on his feet, you know what's going on. Going to crush his toes. So no uncle will be doing him a favor. Say, don't mind your father. Your father doesn't want to help you. Let me help you pick it up. And he picks up the boy and says, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, bring out your hands. Bring out, and then they dump 20 kg of weight on a four-year-old boy's hands. You know what's going to happen. I don't need to tell you more than that. What would I do if I wanted him to carry that? 
First now, tell this, it's not yet time. You are too small. Children are not allowed in the gym. <laughs> I will show him the sign. Go outside, go and wait. Then one day, he becomes a teenager. Say, come, let's go. Pick that one, it's only 5 kg. He picks it. Do that, do that. Two times, yeah, it's enough. We'll come back tomorrow. One day, he comes. The boy is picking 50 kg. <laughs> Why? It will have taken him more than 14 years to get to that point. But then he won't get injured. Then he will take 50 kg with one hand, push it to the other hand, and drop it. He won't get injured. Why? Because I took time out to build him up. He said, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is first able to build you up before delivering to you your inheritance among those who are sanctified. So I say, why build you up? I give it to you now. That is the difference. That is the difference. What makes us change? That's the point I'm making. Listen, outward effort is not the issue. It's inward rearrangement. That was why I talked about faith. It's not the outward effort. It is inward rearrangement. Listen, Jesus, there's something about his ministry. He preached. He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Before that time, it was, um, who was preaching it? John the Baptist. They said, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. John the Baptist, the Bible testified, did not do any mighty work. He didn't do any mighty work. That's the testimony we have of him. But when he was there, he kept on preaching. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And the Bible says he was there baptizing with the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And he did no mighty work. Then Jesus came on ground, and he came to the place. And when he saw that cousin John was still baptizing, he did not do any baptism. He, he was guiding disciples. Jesus was not preaching. His disciples were baptizing. And those disciples were first the disciples of John. They were the people that followed him when John said to them, Behold the Lamb of God. They moved over and they continued their practice with John. And the Bible says at the point that he heard that John had been taken into custody. Then he began to preach the same gospel. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Where am I going? This is how God used to do those days. He said to Moses, go and tell the people, consecrate yourselves today, tomorrow. On the third day, I am coming down. And this I interpreted. John the Baptist was the first and second day. And Jesus was the third day. What was John doing? He was preparing people for the day of the Lord Jesus. I don't have time to prove it, but it's scriptural. After John died, and Jesus preached for a few weeks, and he began to work miracles. Once he began to work miracles, anybody in Israel that had not been baptized couldn't get anything. That is, you know, that there was a man that was sitting down in the pool. Remember that woman in the pool of uh, Siloam? And he's been there for a long time. Jesus just came, do you want to get well? Jesus ministered to him alone. And he left everybody there. And I hear men of God pray, say, we don't know why he did. You see, God is sovereign, he can't do anything. Now, you can't, well, what, I can't be dogmatic about this, but I believe it. Do you know why Jesus went to that fellow, picked only him up, 
healed him and walked away. Should I tell you the reason? Because of all the people there, he was the only one that bothered to go for the baptism of John. 